Ian Scotto here, and I don't know if I sound like I'm bragging or anything, but I got a freaking awesome night's sleep. Why is that? You guys know if you've been listening a while. It's thanks to Ned CBD. CBD has become extremely popular in the past year, making it more and more difficult to navigate and choose the right company and product. That's where Ned comes in. They produce the highest quality full-spectrum CBD extracted from organically grown hemp plants, all sourced from an independent farm in Peonia, Colorado. Ned is a wellness brand offering science-backed and nature-based solutions that offer an alternative to prescription and over-the-counter drugs. They do not cut corners or spare expense when it comes to their products. Zero isolates or synthetic ingredients, and of course, full transparency. They share third-party lab-tested reports of what's in their product. And that's only two ingredients in the full-spectrum hemp oil. Full-spectrum hemp extract and non-GMO organic MCT oil. That is it. They also have a body butter, lip balm, and a natural cycles line. Uh, I also have to mention, of course, the immunity blend, which I am a huge fan of. And 100% of the profits for that immunity blend are donated to EcoHealth Alliance in their fight to prevent pandemics and promote conservation. Great cause. Now, as for the benefits of CBD... We've talked about many of them. For me, the main thing I use it for is a sleep aid. And uh, the thing that I notice, of course, is we always say Ned CBD is a non-psychotropic, so it won't get you high. But what I do notice is a relief in tension from my neck and back before I take it at night. Uh, That area gets very tense for me. Uh, Whether I'm working out or in the case of lately not working out as much, I still get some tension there. And this knocks it right out. And I wake up just feeling... A lot better, uh, but also anti-inflammatory, natural pain reliever, anxiety and PTS it's used to treat, and uh, depression as well. So there's all different types of benefits that you're going to see when you go to the website. Now, Ned CBD contains a minuscule amount of THC, which we've talked about, less than 0.3% as allowed by law. So if you're uh, taking a drug test of any type, they would discourage you from taking it uh, to be on the safe side. Although, of course, as I said, it will not get you high, and that's important to me. I'm someone who likes to keep a uh, clear head and clear mind. I don't even drink or anything, guys, so it took me a while to get on the uh, bandwagon for CBD. And then I realized, wow, this kind of levels you out, but it does not get you high or anything like that. Uh, Now, as for our audience, you can now get 15% off your first order of anything, whether it's the body butter the uh, immunity blend, which that stuff, no THC there, or uh, of course, their famous CBD oil. Uh, Or you can get 20% off your first membership purchase when you subscribe and save on orders. And then you're going to get 15% off every purchase to further incentivize membership. So uh, check that out. If you want to check out Ned and try their CBD for yourself, we have a special offer for our audience and that's helloned.com slash battleline. Or enter battleline at checkout once again for 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. That's H-E-L-L-O-N-E-D.com slash battleline to get 15% off your first one-time order or 20% off your first subscription order plus free shipping. Thank you, Ned. 
And of course, big shout out to our friends at Fort Scott Munitions. Fort Scott is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact. That's their trademark, tumbles upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you're going to receive the same results every time you pull that trigger, They're running out of stuff fast, but they have a wide range of different ammo depending on what you shoot. So check it out. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order. Only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto. Battleline Tactical and the Battleline Podcast. Once again, guys, order now because they are selling out of stuff quick. FortScottMunitions.com. Offer code Battleline. Hit the music. Let's get right into it. From Omaha, Nebraska to New York City, from planet Earth to extraterrestrial life in space, a podcast with no equal, engaged in unconventional warfare through your speakers and headphones. This is a show about embracing the suck, conquering your demons, and finding God in the face of adversity. Chris Tonto Peranto. Switch is on. Motherfucker, I'm going to shoot you in the face. Ian Scotto. You know, Ian and I have been dating for a long time. You are now tuned into the Battle Line Podcast. The switch is on Battle Line Podcast, and for the first time since Luke Ryan, we have people in studio. First, uh, Jim is actually the first guy to make multiple appearances now. So Green Beret, martial arts expert, Jim West, and the co-author of Jim's book, Justin McCauley in studio. I'm holding it up for Chris. Oh, there's Chris. And I, I, I think I, you I, can I, see I, the guys, video, the book right here, which is awesome. They really did a good job in terms of like this big book. They have pictures in here. And I don't even know where to get started. One of the interesting things was I didn't realize until I read the forward for the book that Justin is really more than a co-author. You grew up training under Jim, what, 20 years ago? Longer than that, actually, yeah. And you can get right on the mic. Ended about, I'd say, a little over 20 years ago. Uh, But I started training with Jim when I was seven years old. Um, So basically, you know, I was a young guy. I was really into the... You know, I started getting really into martial arts films. You know, I was this was early '90s, so you know, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Steven Seagal, that was kind of my jam. And uh, I told my dad, who was 
who was uh, in uh, the special operations community at the time, I said, I really want to do this. I want to learn martial arts, you know, and I was started, you know, thinking about what, what, what I would want to do. And he just looked at me and was like, no, I was only one person for this job and took me to took me to Jim's very Spartan dojo that he had just started. He'd been out of the. <laughs> Uh, out of the army a couple of years and uh, had this place that uh, actually Dale, his father was on Dale's team. That's right. Oh, wow. So your dad was was do we say D boys or what? What do we say? He here? was. Yeah. Okay. He was, yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. I didn't so, know that. Yeah. So. I'm getting him trained up, Jim. Yeah, I'm getting him trained up. He didn't have to say the unit or the secret organization. I just call them D boys, man, or or call them green, or just call them the, those guys. The guys. You, you don't have to be all secretive anymore. That's right. cool. You That's can, cool. I watch. Look at this. Delta. Oh shit! I didn't <laughs> yeah. they gave tier, me a, tier one operator. Thing. I'm still here. Well, you know, I well, I grew up with the with the tight. No, I know. You know? I, I, <laughs> hey, dude, everybody's ops are blacker than everybody else's, so you just yeah. I, I've learned to figure it out, man. Yeah. Now I just give everybody shit. I got to parody it all because I think it's funny. Absolutely, absolutely. But no, he, he was a badass dude. That's badass shit. That's badass stuff. But yeah, so it was so basically at the time actually. Um, so Jim and my father were they had known each other from from uh, special forces years before. In fact, Jim put put my dad through uh, pre scuba school, which uh, is one of his less pleasant moments of his entire career, uh, specifically yeah. related to one person's uh, brutality. <laughs> You got you got to trust your partner underwater. But at the yeah, time, and, yeah. and pre scuba, I'm to put that out there. Pre scuba, I don't, I didn't get a, I, I got to go through pre scuba with first SF, but as first special forces because they'll send the rangers down to go right. through. And uh, but you got to go to pre scuba, then you got to wait for your. So I never got my I, my slot for scuba. So I was blessed to, and pre scuba is. Uh, I mean that's it's unreal. They're they're riding bikes while you're running. They get, that's how bad the runs are. And that's how it's supposed to be. I'm like, man, I, I'm going through all this shit. I don't even get to go through school. School. It's like, why am I doing this? It's stupid. I, but, but it was, it was, it was a nut kicker, man. I, I preschool. But so when you say preschool, I think people understand. It's harder than the course. School, it's cool and all, but preschool is holy shit. It's unreal I, hardness. I don't think I ever told Justin or his dads, but our team leader at the time was the, before he came into the military. He was a. West Point graduate, and he was a captain of the West Point swim team. So, oh, what? Is it, they do. They always have the guys that are water polo experts teaching. I'm like, Jesus, I can't, I can't even get my hips to move that. What? But it did. What got me was the morning runs when you get out there, and there's an instructor on a bike, and you got to keep up with him I'm like this. Oh, Damn. But, but it, it was a, it was a good. It, you tested your intestinal fortitude. Believe me, it was awesome. So yeah. sorry, I cut you off. I just no, you know, that's a good, good story. Actually. Well, here's what I was wondering though: is Jim, you wrote a book prior to this, I did, and you worked with Charlie and you worked with Jack Murphy. So did you guys reconnect? Because from what you told me, just speaking prior, you said no one was able to capture your voice the way that Justin did because he's known you forever. So it's actually more than that i'm a very complicated and that's my son sitting in the corner yes richard and he knows me uh really well because he's been in and out of my training session since he was a baby and he can actually explain things and so other than him you know even jack murphy at some point in time we were working on my autobiography and he goes after four years he goes god i just can't put myself into your own head it's the hardest thing i've ever had to do and he's a great writer and then Charlene was good until we got into the fight stuff. She had a little taekwondo background. And so, you know, 
And I provide how many how many notes do I provide? Countless volumes yeah. of stuff for all, for the last thirty years, honestly. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. Uh, Justin, you know, partly because he grew up in a soft family, you know, he might as well have been one of us. He knows more about that life than I knew about my own life in many cases. And uh, he's ever since he was seven years old, when they departed, they moved to Europe and lived in Austria and Dubai and a lot of places. He he never stopped doing different forms of martial arts to include work with, you know, top tier, you know, MMA guys and stuff. So there are plenty of them around the world. But he also has a degree in journalism. So he asks the right questions and knows yeah. how to extract that information. And with all that experience, after a while, I mean, listen, we went, we went through hundreds, if not thousands of hours, videotapes, writings. Then once we got the book kind of formatted, every single word in the book, you know, some people are like, well, that chapter, I don't like the way this said. Literally yeah. every single word, because I I use words in context, Justin, and, and, and uh, you know, Chris, in ways yeah. that other people don't kind of introducing it to the yeah, yeah. Yeah. martial arts community in a different light, which, by the way, it's on fire in the martial arts community. Uh, oh, honest to God, I, and I'll, I'll tell you about that in a bit. But, yeah. But Justin, you know, and he's relentless. And I think relentless is an important feature, no matter what you do in life. If you're if you're passionate, everybody says, oh, you got to be passionate. Passion carries you so far in my mind, but you got to be relentless. And, you know, when it comes, if you ever want a book written and you're struggling, reach out to Justin because he's relentless, you know, and, and he has the, the the grace to actually, you know, take your words where he feels like maybe, you know, in a real writing sense, it may not match up, but he makes it work, you know, in, in a really good way. So, Well, here here's one thing I'm wondering for you, actually, Justin, mm-hmm. as someone who's known Jim for a while, Jim has always talked about that after your son died, which you're very open about, obviously, not Richard, who's here with us, but um, that for several years you went into, as you say, your man cave. You stopped talking to people. You isolated completely. Were you still in touch with Jim at that time, or were, did you have um, to reconnect at some point? We reconnected at some point. So I think in between, um, in between that tragedy and me end up moving back to the States – I think we only saw each other once. We we met up for a couple yeah. beers in Queens in like 2011, 2012. Him and his dad ambushed me in Queens from somewhere overseas. You know, so it's pretty cool. But uh, other than that, we kind of largely, you know, we hadn't been talking with with any regularity. Um, but then, you know, I t- we touch base every couple of years. Um, and then when I was planning on moving back, I was living in in, in the UAE uh, for the for the previous six years. And then when I, you know had a plan to come back to the States and I, you know, I was going to be in the DC area. I knew Jim was in New York, but, um, you know, being in the same continent with Jim, you know, I knew we were going to get back in touch and, and start training again. And that was my number one priority from a martial arts perspective. So as soon as I, you know, touched down here, we, we reconnected and just kind of hit the ground running. Yeah. It's really funny. Uh, you know, he reached out to me through LinkedIn, Hey, blah, blah. And, uh, it was a very humbling experience actually, because, Here's a guy from that many years ago who spent his whole life still diving in and, and practicing yeah. actively seven days a week, some form of martial arts. Plus, he barred back, bartended, had a few street fights along the way. So nice. we kind of have a mind meld along the way. He's legit, right? Uh, has that street credibility, which you got to have to be able to deal with me at certain levels. And the idea that after all this really good experience, he just said, listen, if you train me, I'll help you with your book. I mean, there's no charges, no costs. It's just this, the relationship started in trust. And uh, 
they'll yeah. come on, you know, 27, 28 years of, of history. So that's pretty cool. You, you, you do have to have somebody, especially if they're going to write, and my limited experience on writing, but I do have somebody that helps me on it because it's just, it's, it's too much for me to do it. Unless you're, unless you're like a, a Brad Thor or something like where, where that's your job, that's what you're getting paid to do is to be an author. You don't realize it takes a lot of time to do a book, especially an autobiography or where you're pulling or even telling stories of other guys uh, and, and doing history that if you don't have a little help there, and, and I'm not a smart man. I'm not a smart well, we man. Say this. That's why we get along so well. So, <laughs> yeah, having that help, especially somebody that has journalism background, it, it, it makes all the difference in the world, and, and, and it comes out in the book, and then you get editors, and you get it edited right, because you're right, there's things that you'll say out of context, or you'll think you'll say that it's the language that we speak, that you have to have somebody looking at it going, wait, I, you know, people aren't going to understand what you mean here or it's not making sense. And cause you're using acronyms and, and so forth. And, and that's why it always does help, especially to have somebody overlooking your work. But every once in a while, I remember I push back like, wait, so that's what it needs to say. Cause that's what it means. There's no, there's no uh, thesaurus out there that means this right here. It's a military term. If they don't get it, tough, tough shit, they, it's got to stay in it that way. But that's where, that's why the benefit is, is they're definitely having somebody that's talks to talk and you've been with forever and, and is smarter than us damn window. Well, yeah, right. right. Well, the truth is Justin, did I push back at all? Sometimes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, uh, Tony, I thought you were going to say, no, I'm going to say <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> Tony, man. But it was, a, it was a good process because, you know, what we would do is, you know, I think one of the keys to learning how to, you know, doing that task effectively is, you know, there's a difference between the spoken word and the written word. Yeah. So, you know, Jim has a very idiosyncratic way of, of delivering ideas and concepts. And so that when he speaks is one thing, but the reality is, you know, you can debrief him and listen to hours and hours and hours of us talking. But my job would then be to translate that into how he would write, not necessarily how I would think. Because if you write the way you, anybody, the most eloquent person in the world, if they wrote down a book exactly the way they spoke, it wouldn't read well, right? So it's almost, it's translating how someone speaks and finding that voice in the written form. So that's the task. And then, you know, obviously at various points, you know, you would, you naturally think you're on the right track and maybe you're 80% there. Um, but you just end up writing something that, doesn't click, and if it, and if yeah. and if he can't imagine himself saying it, that's when he needs to push back. And yeah. I think the reason we worked so well together was because you know a lot of writers are are like I, I think most people generally, but they, you know a bit of chip on your shoulder, especially you know, there's a bit of pretense uh, with yeah, you know, I'm, I'm a wordsmith. Yeah. I'm you know I'm making you sound great. You know just shut up and, and let me write the book. But the reality <laughs> is, you know, this is the product. This is this is where the ideas are coming from. You're just there to make sure everything is polished. And yeah, so, no, you, you, exactly. That's perfect. well said. That's where you have to find that right person if you're not going to do it yourself that that knows that. That's not, hey, I'm, I'm trying to write. Because you don't want somebody that's going to take it over and say, no, this is actually my book now. No, wait right. a second. No, it has my name on it. This is me. Don't, don't make right. me look like a, like a douchebag here. Right. Hold on. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, I'll tell you just real quick. One of the maybe the greatest compliment I've ever heard secondhand from the book is people telling Jim that it really sounded like him. Right. Because I've known yeah. so many people who have who have, you know, are the byline to a book. And I know that person. And I'm like, this doesn't sound like them at all. It's essentially the ghost writer just writing the book. Right. So the yeah, fact that yeah. people are telling Jim 
you know, this sounds like you, you know, after this long, yeah. laborious process is the ultimate achievement on that. I, I, I'm going to tell you, that's very humble because what, what, and I know this is my interview, but it's also, you know, us because we're a team, right? But uh, so one of the guys who took a great interest in the book is several. One's Bruce Lee's teacher and mentor and, you know, Bob Wall is in all the movies and stuff. Oh, Chuck yeah, Norris. Talking. yeah. I what, just, what's Bruce Lee's teacher too? Tell me his name again. He, he used to be in some of his... All his movies, Bob Wall. Bob, oh, Bob Wall. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. Oh, yeah. dude. So I just, I just spent time at his house. And, uh, oh, I, did you really? I, I'll, I'll come back to that. But uh, And Jim was showing me the pictures, and this guy's house is awesome. And, and he's 80 years old. And Jim, I mean, he's, you're, you're he's still fighting. Jim, you're 65, oh, right? 66. 66. Jim looks way younger than 66. And Bob Wall looks the same age as Jim, and he's 80. <laughs> Bob's a bad. I I <laughs> emulated him in the movies, dude. He was bad, he, and he always was humble enough because he always was getting his ass kicked too. But yeah, you knew yeah. that he, that's how humble a dude you know he is. Like I know he can beat this dude, but he's always a bad guy. That he's always a heavy taking the beating. Let me tell but you, and he really took the beatings. You know, yeah, broken <laughs> ribs, broken arms. I mean, he put himself right in the mix and uh, took took all the hits. You know, they were real hits. But uh, yeah, even Bob told me on my way out. He says, Jim, you're light years ahead of the rest of the world. Which kind of I still don't know how to put that together yet, but I have a lot of uh, the old time guys, you know, from Jimmy Hartley, Skippy, Skipper Mullins, that, that whole family from that that era. They've reached out to me. I think in uh, October seventeenth, I'm doing, and I didn't name it, but it's a seminar for all these old world champions and stuff, and it's called Killer Be Killed Seminar. So, oh, where, where's that going to be? You're at? welcome to come. It's going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. When, when is that happening? October 17th. You can be a guest if you want to come okay, out. I, I appreciate that. You will also have to walk on fire. We do a fire walk. Oh, fire walk. I do the, 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 what do they do? Is that just to show? I know they've been doing it. Overcoming fear. One, fear. Overcome fear. Of, overcome fear of third degree burns. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just telling yourself you can do it. You know, there's secrets to it, though, too, right? So, yeah, you got to come. Speed. Okay. Hey, speed. Speed. Hop. No. Uh, oh, the, the hopper spear just run there, run over at speed. No, they if you go. if you if you set up on hard, dry, hard hard surfaces, you know. But if the surface beneath the fire is moist and and soft, it, it, you know, it's gonna you get about fifteen seconds before. You oh, know, really? I didn't know that. Yeah, right, right. board kicked in. That's awesome. <laughs> Thanks, man. Yeah. Wow. So, so yeah, you're welcome to come. We'll follow up. Obviously. Nice. You, you know, you know what's awesome I have to say about Jim, just as we're getting into everything here. And, and you know, Chris, we've always said that the kind of theme of the podcast is like motivation, overcoming yeah. adversity, finding your passion with things. There are so many people, and I know you know this, Chris, that are like 20 years younger than Jim. And they're like, they have, they're filled with regret. My life is over. I wish I would have done this. I wish I would have done that. You have so many things in your life that you overcame that people would never get out of. And the fact that you still call me regularly and you are just so excited about this book and what's going to come of it, I don't think there are many people in your age group that have that motivation every day to do something new, to to stay passionate. You're not someone who lives in the past of, I was a Green Beret, I did this. You're like, what is going on right now? What am I working on today? Relentless, brother. That's the word. But the reason is sitting in that corner, which is which is Richard. <laughs> yeah, but <laughs> right. But but you know, honestly, you know, when that tragic spot in my life occurred when his brother passed, I, 
if it weren't for him, I'm sure we wouldn't be here today. But there, you have to overcome a lot of demons to see that light, you know, and be able to give back, you know. And, you know, you've been in some bad yeah. situations, and it takes – it doesn't happen overnight. It takes time. And when I train people to fight and teach them things, it's never about fear ever. It's about – Keep, you know, the Chinese talk about having the, the mind of a child, you know, it's, and, and is that's that passion. It's, it's more than passion. It's you, it, we were talking earlier today about grappling and doing stuff, you know, and fighting. And it's never been about fear for me ever. It's just been about having fun, you know, and if you're having fun, for example, you're not overthinking, you're not going to get tired. You can fight the biggest, strongest, most well-trained guy in the world with a little bit of skill but if, if you're just having fun and he's trying to outthink you and outweigh you, he will get tired before you. Tired, yeah. <laughs> then it's your turn. So it's you, just you turn your brain off, literally. <laughs> you just turn it, turn it off. And yeah, now I, I agree. And and with with the uh, got people that are that age or not not your age, but younger, you know, we're talking about forty and, and have regrets. I never understood that. And I tell these out there right now, you still have tons of time to to fulfill whatever those regrets you may have, dude. Take advantage of this. You got your you're 40. I mean, shit, you got you got your whole life ahead of you. Get, get, I mean, I, I didn't do a lot of stuff till I was 40. I'm like, Jesus, you keep moving. I, I just don't understand that. I do a lot of stuff every day, but his his grandfather used to have a saying. He would say, if, if you have one foot in tomorrow, one foot in yesterday, then you're just pissing all over today. That's a that's a good one. Could he say pissing or shitting? I guess you could do both. Yeah, right. Some people can multitask. <laughs> <laughs> Some people have um, to multitask. Well, well that, that's a you know that's that's dang good point, and it's just motivation to get out there and do things. And you, you know, passion or relentlessness. I wonder if there's we could we should make our own word if you put those two together because I, I I believe you got to have of course you got to have both. Um, I mean, I think in the military, that's just called drive. It's just, just your drive. You, that's your both. You, you keep, you want to keep pressing on and reaching whatever that goal is, whatever that line, limit of advance or line of advance, LOA is, you got to get there. But yeah, you got to have the, and when you have that, then you have fun. Then you're enjoying it. You're enjoying it. So we'll take relentless and passion and call it relashing. Relashing. That's a new word. Hashtag it. Hashtag it. Hashtag it. I'm serious. We got to do that. We got we got to make a bottle line podcast here and then have Jim sign it and put relashing on that's the back. It, right there. Relashing sign Jim West. That's, what, that's, that's, awesome. that's another new word for the book for the next generation. It's in the book. <laughs> Absolutely. Relashing. I love it. Uh yeah, so actually, you should tell us about meeting with Bob Wall. Um, you know, yeah. you got on a plane, you met with Bob Wall, and I, I was even asking, I was like, "What's it like to get on a plane right now?" I've, I haven't gotten on a plane during all this. Well, I'll start. From, <laughs> I'll start from the beginning. You know, getting on a plane, I was like, "Uh, you know," and I'm in that compromised age bracket. But you know, I don't think about it that way. I think if you do enough exercise, I'm like, I could lose some pounds and stuff. But you know what? I got a strong heart. Oh, you know, my son. You know, I got a lot of energy, right? <laughs> and burritos taste good. And burritos like, taste good, man. And burritos, get... like, with a couple of beers, it's really good. But I got on the plane, and they had socially separated, like, every other seat. going. So going out was not a big deal. And, and I had such a pleasant time while I was out there, uh, I decided to treat myself to first class coming back. So, that, you know, you got the ottoman yeah. chairs, the, the ladies were coming and sharing and talking. Oh, you know, and you get the movies and the steaks and the chicken. It was just really great. So... The ride back was the best ride I've ever had on a plane. You know, a little different from an old C-130, right? With a puke bag. Oh, yeah. 
Honestly, I think C-130 is better than coaching nowadays, man. I have to be honest with you. At least I can get, at least I can get lay out. down and you know, br- bring a little insulin pad or bring a little push pad on the plane, throw it on the floor, and just lay on that. And you know, I'm like, this is the best ride I ever had. A little, bit, a little bit of Benadryl and you're good to go. You're out, for, out for the day that, you're flying. But, that, you uh, know, that's, that, that's kind of cool that they're separate. I mean, that's how I think that's how it should always be, man. You should always have space. It's, but now – People are less worried about making a buck, or actually, I don't know what the prices are, than actually giving people personal space. They say the social distancing. No, I, I said I learned that as being common courtesy. Absolutely. Social distancing. That's what my dad used to teach me. Like, don't get in anybody's business. Give them their some common courtesy. So, when I see all these things, wash your hands, social distancing. I was like, man, I learned all that in kindergarten. Wait, Wait a second. No, this is just it's just courtesy. It's common yeah, sense and courtesy. Yeah. You know, if you don't want to wash your ass, stay home. You know, <laughs> <I know. laughs> we'd all appreciate it for sure I am. <laughs> but, but you know uh but so i went to you know I, originally i'm kind of half cheap sometimes i mean not not my home life my personal life or, or with my son or close friends but you know i was gonna go out there and you know i got a couple extra mercedes and extra bedrooms and blah blah and you you know i'm and I thought about it, and my first th- choice was I was going to rent a little Toyota or something, get, you know, a little cheap. And I go, hell with that, I, you know. And I always preach, don't chase, don't look hungry. And one of the most important values that anybody can take upon themselves is have the ability to walk away from anything. I think yeah. it gives you more value, personally. You know, when people realize, hey, he just doesn't give a shit, you know, he, you know he's out of So, But I went ahead and I stepped up. I got myself a real nice, you know, I went to the uh, – more expensive vehicles. I showed up. The white gates open. I called him. Come on in. You know, and Bob's a really physical guy. He made a statement while we were out there actually talking. We were having a conversation with one of his childhood friends that after reading my book and all that, and we're talking to some other folks, said that this extreme violence that, that I possess along with certain other people, he said it only comes from one place. It comes from the house that you grew up in. Yeah. And I was like, wow. And so he knows. When he was uh, seven or eight years old, his dad hit him through the fit arm, forearm with a fish hook, dragged him around and hit him in the cheek with a ball-peen hammer. And at 13 wow. years old, he almost killed his dad. So he's he, he takes the hits. He's a, And he's one of the most – this guy will burn energy <clears throat> at, for 20, 24 hours a day and not even rest. He's just incredible at 80 years old. And uh, yeah. so I get out there, and, you know, it's his home. You know, I don't have to have people in my home, you know, but for 30 years I've heard about you. You know, I've always wanted to meet you, and I'm like, well, I didn't know all that. <laughs> why you know, why didn't you tell me that 15 years ago? Yeah, yeah right. Going? <laughs> and uh, then later on in the evening, you know, he's showing me, like, how to how to throw a punch, and he's tapping my forehead and <laughs> slapping my shoulder and stuff. And I'm just sitting there looking at him like, it's your house. Do what you want. You know, I'm good. Yeah. And uh, – I think in time he realized, you know, don't don't poke the bear too long. You know? <laughs> was, was he was he playing or was he trying to size you up? Was that what he was doing a little bit? Were you getting a little, little size bit, up? Yeah, it's, always, it's always both. It's always both. It, yeah, it was a little both, right? But he would like size like up this. by an eighty year old man, like yeah, so crazy. Slap you like that right above the eye, pow, you know. And I don't <laughs> even I don't even blink, you know, or or flinch. And I and I make little comments like, you know. I, I, I said one of my one of the things I survive a lot of fight is two. I'm really one is just you know being lucky, and two is I got a really hard head. <laughs> he's, he's like, <laughs> I'm seeing, and then I weigh 245 pounds. Yeah, I'm not yeah. just gonna be shoved around, you know. So 
I just, I, you know, if you've been in enough sports, you know how to lower your gravity and just not be moved very much, you know. Just have a good center. Yeah, you're having a your good center, your good base. Then you, you learn that. That's what I tell people. If, if you wrestled, you played football, basketball, anything, you, you know what your base is. You know what your center is. You just probably never heard it that way. Right. That's, it's just getting a good base. Just lower your center of gravity. That's why that. You know, football, best, the one who wins when you're coming at each other is the one with the lowest center of gravity, the one that's the lowest. And I learned that the hard way a few times. <laughs> yeah. Me being light, it didn't help either when the dude had lower center of gravity. He was 250 pounds trucking, and I looked like a little flea bouncing off him trying to tackle him. And so, yeah, I learned I learned how to get low real quick. Well, yeah, when I was 15 years old, I got ran over by Frank Sander, a guy who picked up a fumble, 277 pounds. I was weighing 120. And uh, we had that crabgrass and the cleats, and yeah. he ran me down like a freight train and uh, and uh, shattered my right leg in 18 places. So, yeah, I, I hear you loud and clear. <laughs> oh, yeah, I know. I'm, uh, again, you got to learn the hard way sometimes. That's, was that, is that in, in the book, the, the, one, the new one you have? Did you put any of that, or is it just? Is it? I know we we looked at it in the martial arts. Did you put any any things like like hard learning lessons well, like it, that? Because I haven't read it. Not that one, but some others. Yeah, you know, like uh, like one of the first stories in the book is about an uh, experience I had in high school. You know, and Justin just you know we have these other stories. He goes, Jim, you need to set the stage with this other story. You know, and so you know we added that story in right up front too. You know, so it's pretty cool. Yeah, uh, that's cool. Yeah, we we won't get in there. We'll make people don't don't tell. We'll make people read the book. <laughs> yeah, I'm ready for the fight. Did, did you break anything? Or did, just let's forget that. Let's give me a little teaser. Did did anything break on you or whoever else was involved? Let's just keep that. Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, but a gun went off and a guy jumped, was thrown oh, okay. out of a second well, floor window. <laughs> well, then the muzzle broke. Then yeah, we had a muzzle break, so we're good. Yeah. Kind of it was even better than that. But yeah. And by the way, I'll throw out there for people because um, I have seen <laughs> online if you get the Kindle version, the photos are color, uh, paperback the the photos are black and white. But it's got some really cool photos in there, as you saw from the beginning. Justin said it. Justin with Jim at what? Uh, Ten years old or how old? Seven. Seven or eight. Seven. Yeah. So, I mean, I just think that it's such a cool concept to for him to come back into your life and work on this with you and really capture who you are and what your training philosophy is all about. Especially because I always hear that term nowadays. They say Mick Dojo, and you know, it, it's just everywhere you go. Uh, there's a, there's another dojo on every block. Anyone could get a black belt because you don't know who's giving you the black belt. There are no standards for getting a black belt. It's not like get, you know taking an SAT t- test or something where it's standardized. Um, you know, you could be with someone who's never been in a street fight, who's never had to actually use this in real life, and get you know being a black belt under you like Dale Comstock holds a lot more water. Yeah, you got to fight to get one for me. That's for sure. Uh, <laughs> we used to call it a daily bloodletting at the. Uh, the old Fayetteville gym I had back there because there was someone bleeding each and every single day. You know, I, I, I I'm seeing your son. You ain't watching his. his I'm watching him in the back. Man, he's like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like son of a bitch, yeah. So well, he we grew up with. Me. I want to hear some of his stories. Oh my <laughs> lord, I got to hear this. If you want to jump on, I mean, all right. <laughs> <laughs> It's it, funny because I haven't I haven't seen Richard in a couple of years, and like last time I saw you, you know, you were like transitioning to you know and living in Japan. I could say that right, and now you're back here with Jim. And I, I think from what I see with you, you don't mind. I mean, I, I know some people I who are mind. older, 
they don't want to be with their kids who are older. But I think I could see you value the time with your yeah, son a lot. Yeah, hell yeah. yeah that's from, good father. That's just being a good dad. Holy, yeah, 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 I'm right. For me, it's, it's a balance. You know, you, you want to be a dad and, and year by year by year, every experience. You know, he's, he's a man. You know, he can go out to the bar like today and have a drink with me. And, uh, and eat some burritos and go yeah. through the colon cleanse tomorrow. The and whole the, thing, the, yeah. Colon cleanse, yeah. <laughs> yeah, he's good at that. But <laughs> so, so, so I, I think it's a balance because the older he gets, you want to give him the respect and the room to continue to grow, but, but grow as a man and still, you know, from a distance, be able to monitor that those brackets that are out there in my mind that if you go too far left or too far right. So, you know, we have to have those man and father-son conversations from time to time. And, you know, there was initially it was just detachment. Now, yeah, whatever. Now we talk really well together, right? Yeah. And uh, he's more receptive. You know, he's he's bounced off of those brackets enough times. That he's you've got, the, you've got your, your firing limits. You've got your right and left limits that you got to keep on there. For all you gun toters out there, that's what, that's what we're saying. You always have on a range, you have your right and left limits or where, or even an operation, or if you're doing an attack or direct, there's always those limits that you got to stay in. And if you get out of those limits, something bad can happen. And that's essentially what it is. That's, that's exactly what it is. So Chris, I'm going to have to introduce you to Bob Wall because he, yes. what you don't know about Bob, he was in the military as well. And he's we didn't always talk about that. I didn't know that. Yeah, he's always right limit, left limit. You know, uh, does he say that a lot? Does a he always lot. Talk? Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. In fact, watching you, I was just flashing back to my experience with him because no matter what you're doing, it's you know he goes back to those military days. You know, it's really that, awesome. That, yeah, that's what I realized. In the military, it's not you learn so much about life lessons. You do, I, and I know even I think even more so back before me and and even when i started because it was t it was tougher and there was more discipline there was and i'm saying there's not discipline now but to say that there's a, just as much discipline now that there was in world war ii is a bunch of horseshit horse no, there's more because you could you're allowed to you're allowed to enforce that discipline which i agree with i don't i think it is necessary yeah but um that's where those limits come in and if you if you went over those limits and i know bob you before me, because you you guys went through harder when I than when I was in. I know when you press those limits, and even when I was in, there was some form of punishment when you did, and and it was necessary. There's nothing wrong with that. It was so very firm. Yeah, very firm and very definite and very very firm. right now. <laughs> you know, it's not like come see me after work. <laughs> well, I, I'd love to get Bob on the show one of these days. Maybe we can work it out. But uh, but um, what what? What was he? Do you remember what what unit was he with? It was he ar military? Was he army? Was yeah, he, he was, was he force? He was actually a marksman, but they used him as a sniper for a while. Actually, in some some areas that I won't speak of now, I'll let him bring that up. But uh, I mean, he was in in the late fifties. Wow! Fact, so so he was in the army. He was this army or marine corps? Then? Army, army. And they, I didn't know that. I know yeah. I had no idea. Oh yeah, yeah I'd, I'd love to talk to him about it. That's that's even give. I mean, I already have respect for him because he's a. He's a tough SOB, but even more so now. I didn't have any idea. Yeah. Wow. He, he capped a few guys from a sniper position so uh, for a couple of years running. So it's pretty – he's a very <laughs> interesting fellow, you know. And, uh, I, I, I mean, we're like family. I met him within the first 10 minutes. It's like we knew each other our whole life. I mean, it was yeah. truly amazing because he's either going to hate you or like you immediately. And he's yeah. not shy about the hate. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well – 
Right. You know, I bet you even more so now, but he's 80 now, too. I, I, he probably didn't care back when he was younger, either. But right. even more so now when you're 80, like, I don't, who gives a shit who likes me or not? I got, I've lived a great life. I don't give two shits if you like me or not. I'm going to tell you, you use the exact same language and speak exactly. <laughs> I mean, you, he, who gives a two shits? This, I mean, that, I think th- that's, that's a Bob. Thing, bro. I think we all get that when we go through when <laughs> basic training was hard. That's what we all get from, from Fort Benning. And, and my dad's from, from West Texas, so that's the kind of stuff he would say. You know, he'd always just something real simple and to the point because he's right from L- near Lubbock, and I'd always get that, that stuff from him. Yeah, here, no. here, here and now. You know? yeah. <laughs> but, 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 yeah, he, uh, he, he's, a, he's a character, let me tell you. I mean, we, we took the tour of his home, you know, I mean, his whole home. Hell, his daughter, Shanna Wall, lives right here in Manhattan. And, uh, you know, she's married, married to a billionaire social media guy right here. She's been on TV and used to be a poker stars girl. She likes to play poker. In fact, Bob, me, and his, one of his childhood friends, Roger, after the day was done, we would sit in his kitchen and play poker for, for, for money, you know, uh, until 2, 3, 4 in the morning, you know. He's just relentless. I mean, he just uh, – but, yeah, I'm, I'm confident – that I'm confident that if I ask him, he'll come on y'all's show. And you know what would be cool, Ian? If we had, I bet it'd be just a hell of an interview. We'd have Jim and Bob on. We, and yeah. Same, it would She'll be, be on for a third time before anybody else. That's so cool. Well, man. Hey, that's, hey, well, people have to, they can reach out to I, us. Oh, I, lo- I love having Jim on, man. So, you know what I wanted to ask you, actually, with your dad's background, with growing up with Jim, I would think there was probably some. Uh, seed planted there of joining special operations military what made you kind of take what a different route not do it yeah <laughs> and yeah, yeah get on the microphone if you can yeah. so yeah that's ob- an obvious question not, funnily enough the first time i've ever been asked that no i'm joking <laughs> stuttering doesn't I've come a, yeah i've got a very i've got a very well uh well uh cultivated response that no in all seriousness um you know, I I loved the military. I loved growing up around the military. Um, you know, obviously, as kind of Jim alluded to, you know, as you know, SOF's a small community, SF community, all these yeah. things. You know, you you grow up around. You know, it's almost kind of like a, a you know a self sustaining tribe. So you're close with all the all the SF dads and you know the families and everything like that. And your your kids are all all friends together. And and you're right. Most of all the all of the close friends that I can think of from the army who, you know, their dads were, were in soft ended up in soft as well. Like I, I can barely think of one or two out of, out of that whole community that didn't follow in, in their father's footsteps. Um, but I kind of, you know, I, I just, I, I thought about it very seriously, obviously at various times. My, my mom was very strict, no matter what you do, you have to go to college. So yeah. I planned on doing that. And then obviously, you know, looked into, you know, OCS and all that. Um, but I went to I actually finished uh, finished university in in the in uh, Germany. Okay. So I went to international school there. I got really kind of not so much into academics, but I was into music. I was into reading. I was into history. I was into a lot of different things. So I basically went to college and then decided I want to be a writer. And so he was be, a rock star trying to be a writer, getting drunk and fighting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah that, were you a, I mean, you weren't in a band. Were you a band too? You're in a band and everything, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So I kind of grew up, you know, since, since kind of my mid teens, you know, playing in bands and things like that. But uh, I also, I wrote a lot. And, and after I graduated from college, I moved to Vienna, Austria, basically on a whim. I was like, you know, I just want to go there and, 
you know, wow. I, I liked, you know, my German was okay, and I was like, I, you know, it's a great city, so I went there and went to grad school. So, and did you go down and did you go to the club Vandersex while you were there too? And so I've walked by it once or twice, but uh, <laughs> you know, I, uh, I was on my way to I was on my way to Sunday school, so I couldn't. Uh, <laughs> well, well played, bro. Well played. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, uh, just to, to cut it to cut it short, I you know I just it was always a consideration, but I kind of tr- always tried to balance. Um, you know, kind of, I had a lot of academic interests and things like that. And, and I liked living overseas. Um, and so I just kind of was on cruise control for a while. I, you know, was getting good writing gigs and I was kind of doing, you know, doing journalism and things like that. Um, and, but it, you know, but you're always still kind of part of the community. You know what I mean? Like just as a kid, like I still can go anywhere and, you know, whether it's a friend of mine who I grew up with, who's now in the army or, you know, someone who served with, with my dad who knew me since I was a kid, I can always look them up. So that community that, you know, families, you know, those kind of, you know, the soft families, they always, you know, you're, you're an extended family. So that was, you know, I always felt close in that community, even though I didn't end up going into the military. And you got, and you got to have, and we're going to use the word because we made it. You got to have that relation. You got to have, if you want to, you got to have, yeah, every time you need to get knocked down a peg, just go, yeah, (laughs) but but you're right. You you can't go into, you don't want, you can't go into SOCOM if you don't, if it, if it's not there, because you're going to be, you won't make it. Exactly. And exactly. That drive, and that's why I tell my son. I, I don't push my son to go. He's fifteen now. I was like, no, if he if, if he wants to, that's up to him. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I just said, just whatever you do, just go one hundred ten percent, whatever it is. That's, I don't care if yeah. it's I don't care if it's making video games for the rest of your life. You just better be the best at right. making video and games for the rest of your life. That's that to me. That's that's spot on. And you know, and I'll be honest with you, like a lot of guys, you know, I knew a lot of I knew a lot of guys who who pushed their sons, you know, were very kind of, you know, had the horse blinders on about this is what you're going to do. You have to serve in the military. And some guys went and maybe it was their calling and they, and they got yeah. into, they got into the soft community and did great things. Other guys went, you know, failed selection courses, ended up in, you know, the kind of, you know, neither regions of, of the infantry and things like that. And you could tell that it was really, you know, kind of impressed upon them and it wasn't really what they wanted to do. So to your point, Chris, I was, I was always, you know, happy, you know, obviously my mother was, you know, mom's role is different, but I was actually also, you know, she was like, you know, I, I, you don't need to join the military. Don't worry about it. Um, but my, but my mom was the same way. She was, she was, she was worried as hell. Right. But my father as well, he was like, bro, whatever you want to do, I'll support you. Just do it 110%. Exactly. You just, if, if you're getting your effort into it, I, but if you're doing something half-assed, yeah, that's when I get pissed. That's yeah. when I'll get in. I'll get it. You know, I'll, I will. I'll get in my son's ass. And like, hey, if you're gonna do it, you do it 110 percent, or you just don't do it at all. There's right. no halfway in anything. And um, but like I said, Rangers. I, it, yeah, I, I kind of know what, what goes on now, and and seeing some. So to say that if he went in, I wouldn't be a little worried because of the things I've seen. That'd be a lie. I'm a dad. Right. But I still would not. If he wanted to do it, I wouldn't talk him out of it either. I'd be proud as hell of him. And if he didn't, that's fine too. As long as he's doing and he's working his ass off and, and pushing himself and not being this fast food society that you think you're going to get get it all real quick without hard work. So, right. What you know, if, Chris? What yeah. if what if he tells you he wants to be an influencer? 
And I'm like, what the hell is that? It's not a job. Elevate, elevate right now. Yeah, just start pushing. One, two, three. One, one, two. Yeah, yeah, not a job. Be like for 110. Like, yeah, what's, what do you want to do again? Uh, you don't want to be influenced? Just keep pushing it. I just. So, 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 so with Richard, I, I've always wanted him to be whatever I'm not. You know, <laughs> you know, I don't want him out there battling bloody battles in the street. I don't want him get on a battlefield, getting blown up and stuff. You know, just what? But if that's like you, if that's what he wants, then you know, I'm definitely gonna yeah. push him. But uh, you know, I want I want to be him. That, so you you know the bait dangers. You know, and that's what a dad. That's what you think. It's like, yeah, I I, I know what could happen, and I don't want to lose him, but. My dad didn't want to lose me either, and he still let me go. And he just as long as I, I worked my ass off. So I, I think I think a lot of people don't understand that. With a lot of SF fathers are like that, and they're like, yeah, because you because you know you right. know yeah. what can happen. That's kind of the there. point. Yeah, exactly. It's like you know, if your kid comes to you and says, "I want to do this," you having been through it and having seen what you've seen, you know, I need to, I, I'll support you in whatever you want to do, but you kind of want to be sure. You really want to do this because this is something you need to give 110% to. This isn't an expectation that you feel that you're pushing on yourself or, hey, it seems cool and I just want to feel like a badass. This has to be a real calling because it's dangerous enough as it is without giving 110%. So so this one, he's more like me than I want him to be right now. (laughs) He's not afraid to fight. (laughs) Yeah, I kind of got that. I kind of got that impression just by – just by the look, you guys both got the the one eye cock eye. Like, yeah, you want to start some shit with me? All right. Let's, and, let's, and I let's think I addressed this on. I, I think I kind of addressed it on the last show with Jim, but it's so funny to me because you always talk about how there was a point in your life where you walked into a bar, you were just ready to fight somebody at the drop of a hat. Angry guy. You know, even your look in the video with Dale Comstock, you know, just the look in your eye is very different than the look of you now. And it's almost like it's two different people because I always say the gym that I know is like the happiest guy, great mood, positivity. I know you still have that in you. And and as we always say, you know, the switch is on if if someone fucks with you. But you're not someone looking for a fight right now. No, I mean, truth is, I'm just happy to be alive. I've, I've, I've dodged death a bunch of times, and, you know, I've lived long enough, and I'm actually seeing the benefits of, you know, sure. my life coming to fruition through others. You know, even even sitting here with you guys, I mean, I'm like a kid in a candy shop. I love this stuff, you know. But when I walk out of the door, it's just back to whatever I'm doing. You know, I've never, I've never had a lot of expectations, you know, one way or the other. Because I feel like people that place, you know, this. I mean, he's, yeah. we, we're gonna we're gonna start a company called OP, you know, like OP, because he's the eternal optimist and I'm the eternal pessimist. I always, always think the worst thing's gonna happen anyway. So, just waking up in the morning is a happy day for me. That's awesome. Hey, hope that you guys are enjoying this podcast. I'm sure that you are. Not so much because of me or even Chris, but Jim West is one of the most entertaining guys out there, and that's why we love having him on. Also great meeting Justin for the first time this episode. Uh, But this episode is sponsored by our very good friends at Hero Soap Company. HeroSoapCompany.com. Man, I love every single scent, whether it's the spearmint or the rosemary eucalyptus. I am currently using the cedarwood charcoal. It is the best soap ever. 
and you know that you're getting just great quality product without all the crap in there. No chemicals, dyes, or fragrances. No parabens, which are found in common soaps that are linked to breast cancer and reproductive complications in men. And we're talking about essential oils here, and you're going to smell it. You're going to feel it. You're not going to break out or get dry skin or any of those other issues that you have with soaps that I know I've had in the past. And Hero Soap Company is veteran-owned by our friend Luke, focused on veteran charities to build housing for vets in need. And for all subscription purchases, they match the amount of soap that you buy, and they send that amount overseas to a deployed location. They are always doing different things for veterans' charities and are such a great company to support. Subscription is shipped straight to your door every month, so no worrying of running out. Dudes always run out of their products before buying new or more, and there's no contract. You can cancel at any time. Let freedom clean, as they say, and use the code BATTLELINE at checkout. That's 15% off, and you can combine that with the 10% off for the subscription for best savings. You'll have the convenience of having your soaps delivered straight to your door, Prior to this company, Lucas would always run out of soap completely before getting more, and he knows a lot of men are in that same boat. The peppermint and cool soap, that stuff is awesome. Uh, you are going to feel like you're on top of a mountain with the wind blowing in the breeze as you are uh, naked with your balls hanging out. That, that's that's the peppermint and cool soap to the fullest. Uh, yeah, love that stuff. I love the scrub, too which sells out quickly. So if you see it on there, buy it now. Just go there right now. I don't care what you're doing. I don't care if you're on your phone, your desktop. Go to HeroSoapCompany.com right now. Use the offer code BATTLELINE for 15% off. And as and as I said, you can combine that with uh, 10% off the subscription, and you're going to love it. If you haven't used it yet, you are going to absolutely love their products People who have tried them that listen to the podcast are constantly reordering. And as always, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC spun ammunition. It's designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. This is what Tonto uses every time he's at the range or teaching a battle line tactical class. You guys know Chris's background, so if you want to shoot the best, you got to go there. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as direct online through fortscottmunitions.com, F-O-R-T-S-C-O-T-T-M-U-N-I-T-I-O-N-S.com. Use the exclusive promo code BATTLELINE for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the BATTLELINE podcast. Enough of me rambling. We're getting right back into everything. I did want to hear your take on on you know the feeling, like I said, that your son wants to go in the military, and how as a dad you feel 
as at that and, and, and the mindset you have and, and the, the worries. I, again, I don't think a lot of people get that. They, they think that if you're a father that was in the SOCOM community that you want your kids to go that way. And I don't think that's necessarily the truth with, with honestly, I think it's the truth with just a few amount of fathers. I, I think fathers are proud if their kids do, but in the back of your head, there's always some, cause you know, especially ones that have seen so, the bad things. So, uh, he did spend some time in the air force and security forces, gotcha. uh, Okinawa, yeah. Japan. Uh, he learned his lessons. It's not for him. <laughs> Uh, he's doing really well now, you know, and uh, I support either or. I'm, yeah. I'm really much more at peace knowing that he has a home to come home to yeah. and that yeah. he's safe. I think that's the most important thing because, you know, the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. You know, a couple of drinks and stuff, he's out with his friends. He get a little <laughs> nutty. I mean, anybody can, you know, and I worry about that, but I'd rather have the home lesson of, you know, oh, I got a black eye, I got cut, what, you know. Okay. Yeah. And it's a whole lot better than getting blown up in some bullshit battlefield that we don't necessarily need to be on. Yeah, you're, you know, right. and if we yeah. are and if we are there, you know, take take the handcuffs off and let you fight the war. But yeah, with, right. the, with the current rules of engagement, I'd be, I'm a yeah. lot, le lot less comfortable putting somebody in harm's way saying, oh, I, if you shoot at me, then I get to shoot back. That, that's wow. just total and bullshit. And you're, and that's how, unless it was a, a, a DA mission, which it was specific DA, this is, that's how it was. And I'll, I'll tell you for that. You're not, you're not saying something where I heard that on the news. I'll tell you right now. Yeah, that's how it was. If it was anything other than going and getting an HVT, you had to wait. You had to wait till you started getting shot at. So you could, you could elaborate. Yeah, we were getting shot at. So we returned fire I, I, or you'd risk going to federal prison and there's still contractors now, military personnel, there might be some military personnel, but there's still contractors that that are in federal prison because they shot back. And and that was that was terrible. You can't put handcuffs. You're setting guys up for failure. Yeah, you can't do that. So in the you know, in the current environment, I'm very happy. He's making his own choices in life. I support him. He's healthy, works out, you know, and uh, we're good. That's awesome. Now, that's good. That's a, as a father, that's. That's where I want to be when my son gets gets in his twenties. Right now, he's at that teenage years where it's yeah, dad. I, I, he's getting a girlfriend and stuff now, so so he, I still love him. He still he's still down there, but you know he's he, he spends more time away from dad now because it's teen. And I was the same way, so I get it. But I still give I, when he's Facetime, and I still get in there and give him a hug and a kiss in front of his girlfriend, just embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, he's just now getting comfortable even talking about whatever secrets he owns. And uh, you know, maybe bringing somebody to the house. He's he's little taking little steps in this direction. <laughs> little steps. Well, that, at, but you know, hey, tell, <clears throat> tell your son back there. There are things too where a dad really doesn't want to know. He's asking, but he doesn't want to know the answer. So it's okay to hold some of those things back. My, you know, it's funny. I, my I my mom, my mom would always say that to me uh, <laughs> when she would hear certain things. Because I had a good friend I don't really hang out with anymore, but he would tell his mom everything. And then his mom would tell my mom everything. And my mom would be like, like, I remember one time she's like, were you at some bar that had like go-go <laughs> dancers the other night? And I'm like, I, I don't know where you're hearing this. And she's like, I don't really care what you do. I don't need to hear about this. And I'm like, I agree. Exactly. The truth is we've lived a pretty full life. I know I have. And yeah. 
I can read people. I can yeah. read that. I already know. I, yeah, I don't need the details. Yeah. When they think they're fooling you, they're not. They're working too hard. Uh, yeah. Oh, I tell you what. Well, I, I know we, we're talking, but let, let's because I do want to promote the book and get it out. Because I do like the last last time we had you. I want people to read because I think it's it's just important about dealing with adverse. Just 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 normal common sense. You got to give 110. percent You got to work hard. You're going to fail, but here's some lessons that will help you get through. And a lot of people are already probably doing it. They just don't realize that they are. So I I, I think you know, we talked about some of the chapters, but if there's a chapter in there that if somebody was to open the book. And this, even though it's not the first, you know, because that's just how editors are. Is there something in there specifically that you guys, hey, if you get the book, go to this page right here, even if you're in the bookstore. And this is this is this is really what I want you to read. And this is a life lesson that you need to know to be successful. So so the book is kind of <laughs> unique uh, and I have to take time to explain this. And then I'll let Justin give his point of view as well. But you can actually open the book anywhere and find something of interest. Uh, I can tell you that before we hit the publishing button, I was talking on the phone to uh, Bob Wall. And because he knows, if there's anything to know, he knows. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm so proud of the technical fight principles because, you know, back in the 16th century, Musashi's Five Rings, the original 20 technical fight principles. You know, Joe Lewis, by the way, when he got out of the Marine Corps in 64 and 65, he rented a room from Bob Wall. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a lot of history here. Unbelievable history. Wow. Um, you know, then the, then he rewrote with Bruce Lee the 23 yeah. current technical fight principles that we've lived by. And I, I just took that big leap. That So now we've taken all that prior knowledge and rolled it into uh, 10 pragmatic or common sense technical fight principles that when anybody reads it, they can understand it. And, and there's so many layers that you can continue to dig into it because we use a system focused approach. You know, we create toolboxes that you can go in and yeah. whether it's mechanical, mental test, you know, environmental. Now there may be some coaching for people to really understand that. But uh, the truth is you can dive in anywhere. There's a, there, there, there's a few life lessons. The last, the very last chapter kind of pulls everything together. Cause if people aren't thinking, I'm not sure, you know, what what he his real intent was. It's really there, and the intent's about teaching people how to have the mental fortitude, the strength, the passion, uh, the the relation to go out the there <laughs> and, and 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 calmly save your own life without hitting the panic or fear button. And and right in the in the, in the very beginning <clears throat> of the book, he writes the introduction. Then there's a preface with. Uh, he just felt it was so important. I told this story about when I was in high school because there's a lesson learned there that I learned very young that is I've lived with my whole life. And so I think if there's one story, it's right after the intro, and it's uh, about an incident that happened with me in high school. It's not about the incident itself, but you know I got suspended. I came back, the principal at that time, and. There's a lot of, you know, sounds a lot like today. There's a lot of racial strife. Martin Luther King doing his thing. Yeah, I'm that old. And uh, I had a black principal, and he, he gave me a lesson for life, you know, that, that I value to this day. You know, so I think if you go anywhere, that's a, that's, I mean, what, what's, what's your take? <laughs> yeah, I mean, so first off, I think you know, Jim alluded to it. I mean, there's a lot of, 
there's a lot of you know technical aspects of this book and you know the technical five principles that have been developed and 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 certain tenets and and the philosophical you know kind of conceptual foundations of an entire approach to fighting and, and self-defense and really we we're talking more about survival than self-defense. Self-defense is an industry name now. That's not really what we're talking about, right? We're really and that, it should about. be. It should be a mindset. It should be personal. It should be a survival. Not, not, not an yeah. industry. No, that's, yeah. a, you know, it's, 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 it's making money. No, it yeah. needs to be about teaching people just how to live. Life lessons, man. You can learn so much from the military and martial arts. I'm sorry. Get, keep yeah. going, though. You, no, absolutely. I'll, agree? Just, I'll, quick, I'll quickly say that, that, you know, I can't remember who said it, but I heard a great a great statement a, a couple months ago that said, you know, never, you know, people talk about, you know, avert, there's virtue and harmlessness, right? Yeah. And that's useless, right? Uh, you know, someone who is harmless, someone who is harmless is useless, right? That means yeah. that they can only be peaceful by the virtue of other people being peaceful to them, right? You should be dangerous because then you can keep the peace. And if someone decides not to be peaceful, you can restore yeah. peace. Have you been yeah. listening to Jordan Peterson? I think that might be Peterson. I, I was like, I've, I've heard Jordan yeah. Peterson say this. I think that this. is Peterson. Yeah, yeah. So that, yeah, I don't know if Peterson coined it, but that might, that's, I'm almost certain that's who I heard it from. Um, but that's kind of, you know, that's a, I think a good little, you know, parable for how you should approach life, right? And we, t we talk about this, you know, it's not just about, you don't have to live life the way Jim lived it, which is, you know, on, on the edge, you know, violent you know and jim will freely admit at times you know not really trying to avoid you know those kind of violent altercations in fact looking at it maybe you know just just reaffirming that you got it right yeah you know um but the reality is is that you have to be able to survive effectively right you can you can you know people talk about you know I, I've got, you know, I've got a lot of friends who, you know, like to make fun of like preppers and all this kind of stuff. And I, and I get it, you know, some of it's a little over the top, but, but the reality yeah. is, you know, at the end of the day, would you rather be prepared and never have to fire a shot in anger, never have to go to that, you know, stash <laughs> yeah. in the basement, or would you rather just say, eh, odds are I'll be fine. And then something happens. Right. Something happens. Um, right. I wrote a, I wrote a, uh, do you, do you uh, get on my Facebook every now and then? Every now, yeah, every now when I'm on it, I, no, I do, I do, I do. When I post, I just, I don't get, I post and I'll jump on. You'll see it like Instagram every three or four days. I'll jump on and, and look and see what's going on on there. But yeah, do I live on it like the rest of the world? No. <laughs> so yesterday I wrote a, and yesterday was it? Yeah, I think yeah, it was. Yeah. I wrote a little quick snippet, put it out there, blowing up. Uh, I was driving to work and I'm thinking about the current situation, the riots in the street the stuff that's going on in Portland, Oregon, you know, the anarchists. And, and uh, I, I wrote a quick article about, are you ready? You know, about having an adaptive mindset, you know, because you have to be able to change gears in the blink of an eye. And if you're not ready yeah. for that, and this book <clears throat> gives you the tools to make yourself ready, you know. And in the middle of all this seriousness, I just thought of it while you Bob Wall told me one of his favorite jokes that you can actually tell a girl. Go ahead. I want to hear it. What, what is it? I'm, I'm the drum roll. I'm hearing the snare, the snare roll right now. This <laughs> his favorite joke. You know what the difference between a man and a pig is? No, no. A pig doesn't turn into a man when he gets drunk. 
Okay. <laughs> so you guys, so you guys are going out drinking right now. All right. <laughs> There's some pigs going out right now. Woo! <laughs> but you know, I can't, I can't, I can't argue with that because my wife wasn't attest will attest to that. 110. percent Oh yeah, he's a pig. If she was here right now, which which she's not, they they went. My sister, my daughter has farm camp. She uh. goes out and, and and works on a farm during the day. And but if she was here right now, you'd hear in the background going, "Yep." That's all right. Uh, he's a, he is a pig. That son of a bitch. That's what you'd say. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, well uh, yeah, we'll definitely have to get Bob on for you guys. You know, he's a, uh, I tell you, we're like kindred spirits. It's amazing. We, we're the next thing we're doing. We're, we're like, nope. It's, oddly enough, most people don't want to go hands on with me. You know, it's uh it starts out one way and then there's a little stiff bump here and there. <laughs> it's educational, but it's never pleasant. <laughs> it, that, why yeah why i don't want it i tell people i don't if i gotta fight sure but fighting hurts man and i'm old <laughs> i ain't 30 years old anymore i i it i don't recover like i used to so i'll I, you're gonna be in a fight with me but i'm gonna try to not get into it because i it, that hurts now that i'm fit almost 50 and i've been beat yeah. up and then but I, so, yeah, I was like no i'm not going hands on unless i have to and then yeah well okay well let's get after it but in the so, meantime, just let me be peaceful. Let me be that farmer. So this, just yeah. So this thing in, in, in October should be interesting because you read the uh, ad that, uh, and I had nothing to do with this ad. And Danny McCall, by the way, is six foot five, two hundred sixty seventy pounds. He's probably in his mid seventies. He got shot in the knee, Purple Heart ah. in Vietnam, and he's been a he's been one of the top American karate guys forever. You know, and he still teaches every day. He walks. He Great guy. His son's a pit boss, yep. one of the top NASCAR guys out there. You know, he's I mean, he's a great guy. But uh, he, he in his ad, what he, what he say? He said, uh, "Come out because he's got a, all all senior level black belts. Several of them are former world champions. They all like to challenge you. Come out and get hands on with Jim West." <laughs> and I'm good with that. You know, we're okay. Yeah, hey, you, you know what I wanted cool. to ask you about? Um, I wanted to hear your take on what's going on with UFC because you're someone who really follows it in this whole Fight Island thing. They actually seem to be the one sport that's done everything right. I mean, you see in WWE, they have all these COVID blowups and even the MLB right now. Dana White seems to have done it right, just have an island and have people fight on it. And- <laughs> but, but their formula is, you know, you see there's a boxing Saturday night. They have every, almost seven days a week replays fights upcoming fights you know they 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 saturate the uh media with advertising yeah. you know so. i just always you know what i wonder watching now it's like who is the future because we know ronda rousey you know is done obviously conor mcgregor it's like he's retired he's not retired john jones is amazing but he's always had his issues i don't know there aren't there's not like the star power there was five years ago Jump would, in. He yeah. is a. You know your stuff, you man, so feel free. Yeah. He, this guy studies UFC unlike anyone I've ever met. Jim, your I'm predictions are usually spot on. on. Yeah. But. Yeah, your predictions are. <laughs> we, always, we always talk right before fights, and it's usually either we, we agree or I'm eating humble pie on the ones we just <laughs> um, But yeah, I mean, in terms of star power, I think, you know, I think internationally, you know, they're. I think th- their business model is going to expand internationally huge because 
you look now, there's there's more non-American champions in the various weight divisions than there ever have been. I think there's only out of all the out of the, the seven men's divisions, I think only two of the two of the champs are, are American at this point. So you, and and no one has beaten John Jones. No one's beat, yeah. Happen. No one's beaten Jones. Um, and I think he'll move up to heavyweight. I really do. I don't think there's. He's gone through two generations of 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 light heavyweights. There's really nothing for him there. He's going to want a ton of money. He'll wait until DC and 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 Stipe fight and see who retires and who wins and and then make his play there. Um, but I think I think Russia is going to be a huge market for them. You know, obviously Habib. Um, yeah. But there are. The Caucasian fighters, I mean, this Hazmat Chamayev, who just fought for the second time in ten days, just annihilated. He was like he's like, he's like a six foot two, hundred and seventy pound version of of Habib. He's a Chechen guy, and he's already calling out McGregor, you know, out of retirement, saying I'm gonna. He's a you know he he hit an old man. I'm gonna fly to Ireland and and, and beat his ass. You know what I mean? Like disrespect. You know, saying there's this the, you know the culture there. There's such a a groundswell of particular talent there. Um, especially in terms of the wrestling and, and, you know, the combat sambo, which I know a little bit about. I've trained in it a little bit. It's a very unique way of grappling and a unique way of striking, and it's a good transition for people um, because it's one of the few, you know, codified martial arts out there where you, you, that incorporates striking and, and grappling, right? So the level changes come a lot more naturally, whereas you take a Division One wrestler and then you got to teach him how to box, and, then, you know, it's never going to be as natural. Um, so I think I think that's American be extension big. fighting does that really well too. <laughs> it's true, but bigger than that, just bigger than that. Oh, but no. you know what I mean. I, I, I can train somebody for under two years and beat any of them. I, right. I want to see. I do want to see you train another, you know, UFC fighter because I We've for the people in the audience this. who don't know, Jim did train some of the early guys. Yeah, I, I don't fawn over anybody. I think that eighty percent of the fight belongs on its feet and it's always going to be on its feet i think if if you have guys that think they know how to box try to learn a little bit of wrestling or bjj and they get in there with a, a real striker or a real wrestler they're going to get trashed you know in two seconds but like you said this sambo or whatever you know there's there's always something else out there and i'm telling you i'm part of that something else and I'm not shy about it because I've taken guys in the beginning right off the street that have never had a street fight. And in a year to a year and a half time, we're fighting Randy Couture, beating world champions. And, and you know, and we've only evolved since then. So it's just a matter of maybe making a movie and making a couple extra bucks and yeah. uh, opening up the right place and having – it also takes two things. you got to have the right guy come through the door. Yeah. You know, and if that guy comes in there and I want to know in the first day, first session, if you if you got any quit in you, if you have quit in you, you're never going to be a world champion. You're still hungry for it, man. But, oh, but how how old was, <laughs> you know, how old was Customato when he trained Tyson? Oh, he's old. Yeah. You <laughs> know, so just, you could yeah, do it, man. You know, 60s when he started training. What, Tyson. I remember. I mean, I don't I don't know if I think you've completely it, lost. It's uh, all about the mind for the fight. Yeah, man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I yeah. think you've uh, I, I don't think you have uh, contact with her anymore, but I do remember you were training uh, a female yeah. fighter for a he, while. He remembers so. her. She was freakishly strong, but she had issues. And I hate to say that because, man, she 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 could. She's the type of person that 114 pounds that could rip a man in Nunez a new one. 
uh, which damn, nobody hears. But at 114 pounds and a little over five foot tall, she could deadlift 645 pounds. Wow. Wow. And she could squat 410, work 25 set reps four at a time. She was, wow. she was a national sprinter, uh, just natural, just crazy athlete. But she was raised in a way where she was abused and beaten a lot as a child. When okay. she was 11 years old, was, you know, short story, uh, someone broke into their home. Her parents were out, and she shot and killed a guy. Well, and her brother was killed at the same time. And, you know, she's still trying to find herself. So, yeah. you know, I say she has issues. <laughs> it's it's always, well, I got a parking ticket. No, that's not yeah, the issue. Every, everybody who hangs out with you, I feel like, has, like, a movie in them. Like that, you know, Dale Comstock, you could make a movie about him. Uh, you, know, yeah. you, you hang out with some interesting people along the way. Well, I'm the fire. <laughs> you know like a moth to the flame you know the people it's i was doing a soldier fortune seminar 20 years 25 years ago out in las vegas and i was quoted unfortunately i didn't know much by the la times that uh i was talking well, what about the people that come to your seminars what about this because there were boxers kickboxers jujitsu yeah. guys judo guys wrestlers and I even broke a guy's leg while I was out there by accident and because uh, he wanted to be stupid, right? And the uh, thing about it is this uh, reporter was asking, and I just said, that, I said, you know, there are a lot of wannabes in this world that they can't live the life, Chris, that you yeah. have or your dad has or me. You know, that they just want they want to be us right. and they're not. So they want to be close to us. And they will come on board to try to be that person. Uh that's why I focus on the quit gene, you know, because, listen, you never know who's coming through your door. They could be the softest guy, softest girl in the world, throw up when they see blood pass out. But when you put them under pressure, it's that adaptive mindset. Some people rise to the surface, and you never know who they're going to be. Do, do they have that relation? If they have that's that relation, they're going to rise. That's, it. Okay, that's our word. That's the T-shirt. I got the battle line T-shirt. Thank you, guys. <laughs> No, no problem, man. The, the, I got it. I wore it to work the next day. Hell yeah. Yeah. You, but you're you're right, man. You're exactly right. It, you can be the doesn't matter you, your athletic ability. You can be, you know, you can be trained not to be I say how get athletic ability, but you can be trained to be proficient in whatever skill set you need to have. But it's is that it's it's do you, do you have that do you have that drive to keep going and not quit? He's got it. But we, we haven't come together in the middle. I mean, he knows enough to either get himself in trouble or get, you know, by hurting somebody. Or But if we had the right time, place going on with all the world crap going on today, uh, yeah. he, he, he's pretty formidable. Hey, no, he'll, be, he'll be fine. He's dead. You were, I guarantee you, you're exact same. Exact same <laughs> at that age. You just forgot. Like, I ain't going to listen to nobody, man. I do. I know what the hell I need. And I want... I want my son to have that a little because that's how I was. Yeah. I know. I get it. Yeah. I want him to listen to me, but it's okay if he doesn't because I didn't listen to my dad all the time either, and I just had to learn the hard way when I screwed up. Biggest thing and about so, being a parent is reminding yourself, I was, yeah. tw I was 21 once. <laughs> I, was, I do that all, all the time. That's, that's when uh, my, my boy, he doesn't listen to this, so he, I, I'll talk about it. He'll be embarrassed down the road. But when his doors close upstairs, he's 15, talking to his girlfriend, like, what? What's your son doing? I said he's being just he's being fifteen. Leave him alone. He's, 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 okay, he's being fifteen. It could be. Is twenty. It, it could be twenty. Just, just let him go. I, I hate to break you 
they do it at 21 too. It doesn't stop. Does it? <laughs> hey, don't worry about it. I do it 52. I just, I just don't be quiet about it. I'm glad my dad's not on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he should be. His dad's Uh-oh. the coolest guy from West Virginia. It'd uh, cool be cool to have you and your dad on too, brother. I'd, I'd like anyway. Oh, he'll, I, he he'll be entertaining. That's for sure. He's, <laughs> he's, him and Jim were all you guys. You guys got end up in this. Not only that, stories. his dad has uh, quite an extensive. Uh, I bet, yeah. Count. Yeah, he's been in some hot stuff. <laughs> you know, for, uh, I, I I wouldn't doubt it. Who, if you don't, who was your dad? Who did he? Who did he grow up? What unit did he grow up in until he went down to uh, McCall? So he, he was about eight. I think he was only in the 82nd for maybe 18 months, two years. And he went over at the time it was a 509th uh, over in Vicenza. Uh And then now it's 173rd. Um, And then he went to, then he went to the Q course and went to SF. He was in seventh group, same time as Jim. Okay. Uh, And he was only in SF maybe two years uh, before he went to selection. And then, so that was like, I I was born when he was, uh, I think in OTC. Um, but it was great because they usually – I was the first kid ever born when a guy was at OTC. They wouldn't let you go to OTC. <laughs> and they made an exception. And so I, I have a cute little pewter cup with my uh, with my name on it because I was the first all, first, yeah. first uh, cat I, baby. I have, a, I have a pewter cup that I, I took from Saddam Hussein's forward command bunker. You got a one you got a oh, one up. Okay. You got a one up me. <laughs> oh, well, I, you know what? I guess we need to pay attention. To that. Is Jim? We're gonna, is Jim a one up? <laughs> so, sometimes, sometimes I can't. <laughs> well, but, that that kind of is a one upper though. I, I can't I can't disagree with me that. It's, it's, a, it's 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 genuine. I mean, it's yeah. not a one upper on purpose. It, it just it kind of is. I mean, it's Saddam's. Yeah. <laughs> but I'm always I'm always pulling, just like in a fight. I try to one up you so. I can see what you come back with. I love that. I love yep. that challenge. You know, it's just a big thing. What's the story behind the Saddam Pewter Cup? Yeah. Oh, that's crazy. Uh, the whole story's nutty. I was doing work uh, with the agency, and the story's in the book that that got everything started. It's uh, it's the one about the the GB of the Green Bay Sport Parachute sure. Club. Uh, I was in there, and uh, I guess about seven or eight of us were drinking. Uh, and one of the guys had his wife, Dennis, and she went up to get a round of beer. And so she, about 10 minutes later, she wasn't back. So Dennis gets up and he goes over and he's like, next thing you know, I looked over my shoulder there behind us and, uh, some guys are talking to his wife and he's talking to him and the guy pulls out an eight inch blade and stabs Dennis right through the stomach. Who, where, where was it? Where was it? Was this at, was the, this at, the Jeep. was this at Vietnam? Where were we at? Yeah. Fort, Fort Bragg. You have Fort Bragg. So you're, you're, you're on post, but you're in Vietnam or you're, you're yes. in the city. The old yeah. Green Bray Sport Parachute Club. Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. And, and, uh, so I immediately, you know, we talked earlier today about some people just come to the top. You never know who they're going to be. And I just jumped up and I still had the brown jacket. I told you. Uh, and, and, uh, I, I had no plan. I just was visualizing stuff because it's a big night. And uh, yeah. <laughs> I was thinking I was going to wrap it around my arm, and I'm just closing. And his back was, and he stabs him again before I could get there. Oh. He hits two two main arteries, one in the hip and one in the gut. Um, and and so I got over there, and I just put my hand on his shoulder. He turns around with this crazy look and with no plan. I just laid my jacket on top of his head. So both hands went up here, 
with the night to get the jacket off his head and I rolled his ankle, Russian arm bar, bonk, messed him up, took the knife. Moses Flores took the knife out of his hand. He's, that whole room full of warriors, they all backed up when they saw that knife, except for one guy. And he's an amazing guy, too. Uh, he'd be a good interview, but he's so old now, I can't remember things. But uh, so then he's got another knife. He's got another knife. And I'm like, no, we just got the knife away. And I saw the knife that we got away. Moses had sat it on the pool table. So I'm like, I look back. Here he comes with another knife. And I just pushed him and hit, push. I do what they call press or push punches. Sure. And yeah. Boom, he's swinging. I'm hitting. He's, and I actually hit him so hard his head, head cracked through the uh, wood grain paneling and stuff. So he, so you, he managed to get up after your arm. So he managed to get up and grab another knife out of his waistband or somewhere. Where was it at? Yeah, he was on PCP and a few okay. other drugs. Oh, okay, yeah. okay. We didn't know okay. that at the time, right? So okay. back to the floor, broke a few bones, took the knife away. I uh, got it done. He's got another knife. I'm like, what? what? Here what he comes he? again. And his back was. What is he, mach- what is he machete? I love that. It's a perfect analogy. <laughs> machete, man. And so, and so <laughs> his back was probably five or six, maybe eight feet from the door. And it was uh, December 28th, 1983, I believe. And there's a stairs going down. And it was like that frost that on the yeah. grass. And so I just. Boom, front kicked him. You know, I, we went to the next. He went right through the door, down the steps on the sidewalk. I, I, I went airborne, landed on him, boom, kicked him in the balls. A few things started stomping on his head and yeah. going all crazy. And, and uh, I mean, I, I broke all of his ribs. His face, his nose was coming out of his ear. And he was still trying to fight, dude. And uh, unbelievable what PCP can do to people. Yeah. And uh, so so then I looked down on the corner. I saw some red lights come inside. I literally didn't know what to do, so I crossed his legs and rolled him face down. And I was trying to kick him in the balls to see how far I could slide him on that that ice. And uh, then I ran inside, and uh, there was a medic in there, another guy. They were trying to help Dennis. He's sure. sitting in a chair, and I, I didn't know. You know, you, you, you're on autopilot by now. I just yeah. kicked the legs out, run my arms under his shoulder, laid him down on the floor, said, I don't care what you do. Treat him for shock. I'm out of here. And I went out the back door. They, rest, they came home to arrest me. So he was actually going to Delta as well. The other guy was, uh, and he was E7 on the E8 list. So any alcohol related incident, you're out. Right. So I sat in jail for a couple of weeks while he, uh, waited to get promoted. Then he told his story and they let me out. So they grounded me, you know, and I'm like, you're not going anywhere. You're going to be on officer of the day or whatever. So I'm sitting there every night, locking (laughs) up and just, you know, doing nothing. And they still had the old brother typewriters and stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I'm, I'm sitting there, and the sergeant major and the commander just wouldn't leave. And I'm like, well, I need to go, so I go to sleep, you know. And all of a sudden, there's a knock on the door. And this story's there. And so I open up the doors, and there's a bunch of suits out there. And they go in and lock themselves in with the sergeant major and stuff. And I'm sitting there thinking. I typed up a little resume real quick, ran in and knocked on their door. I said, hey, I just want to give this to you. Some guy in a suit hand it to him. Get the fuck out of here. I'm like, so I go back and sit down. And they all go leave. And Sergeant Major Boyd said, go out of the door. And he goes, I'll talk to you tomorrow. You know, that kind of shit. Right? I said, okay, whatever. So everybody leaves. Lock the doors. About an hour later, <laughs> the suits were back. And they said, we like your attitude. I said, well, that's great. He says, you're going to be getting a call up in the next couple of weeks. And uh, they're going to be taking you up to Tyson's Corner 
you know, it was, it was, it was oh, yeah, yeah. right. Yeah. So, and my, yeah. and my down is time, you know, there was a silver lining, right? Just being available, just being there, right? That's the definition of perfect time is just being there, perfect. right? And, and that's a half. See, why are you a pessimist? That's that's opti- That's an optimist story right there. That's half full. All that shit and all. Hey, hey, guess and, and, and you know they don't recruit like that anymore. You know they don't. I wish they did. Yeah, they don't get guys like that anymore. They, but yeah, keep going. I mean, keep going because that's so, this, so this I, is old. This is old school agency. This is how they should still run it. But yeah, it was don't. back during the Hassenfeld days and all that. So we go down to Central yeah. South America. And we're yeah. training hostage rescue and com- commandos yeah. operaciones especiales. And, I mean, <laughs> these are the baddest-ass guys on the planet, I'm telling you. Because there's no rules when you go overseas. You, no, you, can, you, you break they're, they're, they're the narco. They're fighting the narcos and the cartels. They're, they're, yeah. they're, they can do what they want. Yeah. So, I, I, I worked at... I work, and I'm not one up in you because I don't have a no, one up come, story. No, no. I like my fight. Oh, I jacked him up, and then I ran away. I, I don't think anybody can one up that story, so don't worry about that. <laughs> but, uh, but the uh, no working. I worked the Forza de Especial in in, in um yeah. in San Salvador, and then also did some stuff in Colombia. And those, but those guys, they're and they're because they're trained. They've been trained by guys like yourself. You know, they'd already got training from guys since that many years. They're awesome, and you're right. There's no hand. There's there's no rules. They're, yeah. That's paramilitary. What we think, we don't know. We don't have paramilitary in the in, in the U.S., which is okay. Right. Well, it's I went paramilitary. I went to the Colombian Lancero course. You know, and there's, there's, yeah. they're so poor when they shoot. That if if you get, if they give you a hundred rounds, you better come back with a hundred. They got to come back with, yeah, <laughs> with, with, with the brass because they can't afford. On Peru, it was like that as well. We were, Peru was, yeah. Oh, they were in Pura and then uh and um Lima, but that's exactly they 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 only had so much ammo they could afford. Everyone I, I saw the one day I'm like, why are y'all picking up your brass? What the hell? Yeah, the, like, the, we got to go get it. We can't afford it. Like, first <laughs> night we went to Peru, we got they they tried to light us up. They were shooting up the barracks we're in, so <laughs> it, it was just crazy stuff, you know. But anyway, back to that fight. It was interesting. Uh, once I came out, they, they, the, the CID they took me back over. And then, well, we started here, we went over there, we did this. And I had no idea that guy had, he had another knife I never saw. He was swinging, and I was just dodging and hitting. And you've tried to kick me when I came over top. I'm gonna, I just make people miss, and I hadn't figured out how yet because I got hit a lot when I was a kid. But uh, they were seven holes in the wall where this guy was swinging and missing me. And I'm like, wow. You know. But the, the cool thing is I, was, uh, I got back off of that mission a year later or so, and uh, – I came home and my two brothers had both passed away now, but my oldest brother was in uh fifth group and he was over in desert storm or Des- desert shield, I guess at the time. Yeah. And I came home and I'm like, I called my mom. Hey, I'm back. You know what's going on? Cause you know, when you're, when you're deployed, there's no fucking news. You know, you just, you don't know what's going on in the world. You got your world. Well, Chris always says that. Yeah. Yeah, so. and that's the best. That's how you. That's the best way to live. It yeah. really is. It's you don't. I don't need know all this other bullshit that half is just out. Especially nowadays, yeah. we're just sensationalized. I, I said on actually, I said this to a person on Instagram who who was talking about. Oh my god, I, I put a war a, a combat pit or something. And oh man, it looks like it looks this this that area looks like Minnesota. I'm like, no, it does not, guys. I said the only <laughs> thing we export out of the United States anymore is drama. And complaining. That's yeah. our main export. So just stop it. Don't try to. Oh, That's we got our a main no, export. You, know, we, we, you got some windows busted out. But no, that doesn't look like an IED, a VBID that just blew up half a city block and you got blood running. No. Yeah, right. So, so I, I get it, man. I, I get That's the best way to live overseas because you just, you're, 
You don't. This is the. You're in the world. You're in the news. Basically, you are. You are the this news. Is, so I'm not gonna watch all this other bullshit because I watch them like. Well, I was just there. That's bullshit. Wait, we were just there last week. That's horseshit. I said no, I'm not gonna listen to any of that. So you're. It's awesome being old just because you you are. You're you're in. See, you're and, in the world. And we ju- and we just connected. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's it's that, true. It's that's real. Awesome here because that's how it's always been, and that's what I like to hear from guys before me is that. It's really still like it's that. The same. That's how it's always been. Yeah, no, because you're saying that. I mean, if you haven't lived it, you just don't know, right? Still not. Yeah, yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I'm glad. I'm that, sorry, I cut you off. Go, go ahead, Jim. I'm sorry. No, I was no, actually, I, I was actually I was glad to hear that because sometimes you, you don't share all your stories, right? In fact, it's this platform and you guys that bring me out a little bit, you know? So now all of a sudden I go, hell, I said we just connected facetiously. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, I realize I'm not alone anymore, you know? We think uh, the, yeah. the same shit. But right? I never, I and I got, I don't ever want the five stab wounds, seven stab. Well, I don't want that same story. You can have you. I will never want to try to emulate that at all. That's yours, dude. I'll, I'll let. I, I'm okay, knife is scary as shit. I ain't gonna lie to you. Knife. That's what I tell people. And you see a knife, gunfire. Yeah, here's a gun. But as soon as you see the knife, I'm telling you what. Your adrenaline goes a completely different direction. Oh. You can some, but that knife is that I, knife. I, is owe you, I owe you a badger. A badger. Is I, that good? I'm. I. I. Yeah. That's um, good. It's good. T- tell them about the badger. I, I patented it. Usually, I usually have is. it on you. I, I patented a self defense tool. I got final versions right now without the sheath, but okay, it's nothing you like it. Brought one. I got one in my car. <laughs> it's, is that your? Is that your? Is that your official knife? I didn't know that. Is that your own blade? Yeah, it's nothing like it anywhere on the market. And I got a full patent on it. Oh wow! Yeah, I got to see it. Yeah, it's called the badger. That. When I was a kid, my, I was a real skinny rat, and my older brothers used to say. You know, why you call it the badger? I, was, I, could, I had to come up with something, right? But when I was a kid, when I was a kid, my brothers used to say he's got the touch of a blacksmith and the personality of a badger. So I was like, okay, we we'll just call it the badger. <laughs> that works. But, that works. But, no, but back- it, 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 it's amazing. You know, it's amazing to hear that because that's that's where I think guys that when they continually deploy like that for and I didn't do continual like I wasn't gone for for eleven years, but I did deployments for eleven years, and that was. The main reason is because when you left, you were out of the the U.S. like drama where we have it so bad here. I'm like, no, we don't. I'm, I'm gonna go get in B when there's where they do have a bad. Then you come back to the states, like, God, this place is awesome. Listen. We don't have a bad it's, at all. And it, I think it's even people. We do need guys to go overseas still and yeah. get that. You know, so they appreciate this place more. Yeah, when you got dysentery and prickly heat oh, on your back and you're washing your balls in a fucking stream and you're <laughs> you, you know it's like drinking you know using a catadine pump if you're lucky oh my good. god yeah oh. like, man yeah. forgetting one day coming out i remember one time i came in <laughs> it, it, it got what this, this one time at band camp i came in and i remember i forgot i just wasn't paying attention and you know i was i, I needed to i hadn't brushed my teeth because i had a flight or i hadn't and I ran my toothbrush. You know, you're just stupid. You you flip on it. We're in a place where some water works. Yeah. I flip on the faucet because I am. We're in. We're you know, it, it's working. And we're not roughing it that much, but it's working. It's a shitty bombed out building, but the water's still working. And just went, brushed my teeth, and I was shitting for. T- and I completely <laughs> forgot. I'm like, oh my. That's, I mean, that's the kind of stuff we take for granted here. I mean, it's just yeah. two seconds, and now I'm on superflaxin for a week, and I'm shitting my guts out. I think you're gonna I die. Got, I got, I, I, and that's, that, those are the little things that 
make me appreciate what we do here and why yes, we're doing sir. this podcast and what we get talking. Guys don't get that at all. They just don't understand. People understand how how awful it can be. Over, and that's just not even getting into the deaths. That's just daily. Right. That's just daily. That's life. just brushing your teeth. <laughs> <laughs> just brushing your teeth, and now I'm now I'm running down my. I'm pissing out of my ass for. Oh, it's <laughs> horrible. Yeah, it's hard. I, I I have the memories as well. But uh, yeah, 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 that, we 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 can tell talk about compare shit stories later. We'll right. do that on another podcast. We'll call it the Jim and Tano shit story comparisons. Let's do, we'll it. do that. Or, or and we'll put Bob yeah, Wall we in the middle. See what, see what the shit there. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah. So coming, but I came back from that thing and I I, I called my mom and ah oh, your brother's somewhere. I can't talk and I'm I just turned on the TV set and I'm Desert Shield and all this shit and I'm like bombing and I'm like. That fucking assholes in the war, and without me, so I hung up the phone. I went over to General Lutz's house at eleven o'clock at night. Yeah, a lot of door knocking, right? Yeah. So I knocked on the door. What the fuck do you want? Get up. What are you doing in my house? I said, "There's a war, and I need to be in it." He says, oh, "Get the fuck out of here. Get away." So I left. And Monday morning, I go in and I get called to the commander's office. I'm going, "Oh boy, <laughs> commander's come in, close the door." Going, "Okay, what's up?" He goes. I don't know who the fuck you know, but you're going to, yeah, on the next thing. I said, Brett, yes. Oh, wow. So I got over there. They did the roll call. You know, you guys go here, you know, tankers over here. You know, and I, it's me and a handful of replacement guys standing in the middle of the desert. And, and, and uh said, who are you with? I said, seventh group. He said, well, seventh group's not represented in this war. I said, well, I am now. So I had no real job. So he said, just just find me some special ops guys and we'll figure it out. Oh, so, so they took me to, you know, a Schwarzkopf bunker and I, I started working, you know, doing the debriefings and AARs and the, and the pre-planning sure. for the all those truth-telling missions and stuff. And then one day he comes down and says, you want to be in a war? So he has to grab you. <laughs> okay. So boom, you know, then I went up there and I, I did some 16 missions there. Then I got into... Uh, uh, just before D-Day and H-Hour, you know, and they popped all the oil rigs and all that crap and it's full of smoke and you can't see anything. And we started going through the breach points and I was actually a, a liaison officer at this point between the coalition, special special forces and the Marines. And Sure. So we made our way into the city. We did our thing and ceasefire and all that. I was staying in the embassy with J-Square and all those guys. and yeah. We didn't have a job to do at this point. They were doing some going around, you know, like registering the city, looking for leftovers, war crimes, stuff like that. And so uh, there was an Air Force guy, Smitty, and I had a vehicle. He says, we got some pilots, A-10 pilots coming up. They're going to be doing Kodak runs. I said, what the hell's a Kodak run? Well, they want to take pictures. You've seen online the, the highway of death. Yeah. It's, it's really that. And uh, we we called the burnt bodies because the Air Force did a great job. Yeah. Uh, charcoal Charlies. I mean, they were... I, I that's I, I mean I, I maybe it's more but that is one thing I I, I wish I could have physically seen because I just, you just that's unbelievable and, and it's it's carnage it's, it's you know death but it's like man it, wow you know I, I, can you just imagine a fire I mean just the firepower and all that it's, it's, it's something that you just don't don't get to see even if you're in no even if you're in it you know who gets to see something like that right. unbelievable so I got to see a lot of that and it's more than more than you know because when the uh, Iraqis are pulling out of the city. They yeah. turn the territory, shooting backwards on the run. So on the backside of the bridge embankments are all shot up. 
They took wow. all the pets out of the city to create more disease. They cut them all up. They sprinkled them all over the desert. I mean, this I is stuff people that. don't see, right? Um, wow. Yeah, right? So anyway, we're driving, and Smitty goes, stop. And, you know, it's not like kids today. Take three more <laughs> Take three more steps. Stop means stop, right? You just freeze. Yeah, stop, Nothing yeah, else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and we're driving really slow, and it says, stop. So stop. What's the problem? He says, I think there's a landmine. They had 7 million landmines at, at that time spread. And they don't even, nobody knows. Probably no, still there today, it. some of them. I've heard, so, I've heard that. Yeah, yeah. I've, I've heard of that. It was that many, 7 million. I've heard that, yeah. Yeah, so we get out and go around. <clears throat> and right about this far in front of the front right tire, there's some little barbs out. And like, <laughs> we should walk. <laughs> well, we have <laughs> Boy, that thing would have went. Oh, yeah. I'd have been uh, one of those TV commercials, you know, for getting a new house. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, but you got to make the best of what you have, you know. And I respect all those guys because we're all wounded, you know. One way or the other, we're all wounded. And uh, and, and I, I, I'd rather laugh than cry, right? So that's just the deal. But uh, the, the thing about that is, uh, it's okay, we're walking around. And you know how the – the bunkers are like two or three feet, sandbag, dirt, you know, just crap, trash. You know, all of a sudden we walked in as a bunker. You know, it's like 12 miles out of the city. And it had gold handrails, marble floors and walls. That's what I was saying, fucking Ford bunker. Wow. And I took a little pewter cup. That's where they got the pewter cup. <laughs> Man, we they, don't tell me he doesn't have a mind like a like a dick steel trap. We actually just started to ask you that question thirty minutes ago. I know. And you still remember to answer it now. Yep. Is that not following that off order? You Holy had shit. Yeah, it was no. I mean, he, he got right. He got right into it, dude. That was awesome. That off order. That was. Dude, that was awesome. I tell you what. Yeah, hey. I want you on my offer. You're going to wreck because me, I would have spaced off and went, no, we're going to go hit this nope. objective. He, he, he hit the whole the story, movie. man. But pick up the book, A Mind for the Fight, American Extension Fighting, Jim West, as well as Justin McCauley, co-author. Uh, you look like you want to say something. Yeah. <laughs> so it's an evolutionary mindset and a system-focused approach towards unifying skill sets. And you and, got a Dale Comstock and, quote. And, and, to simplify it to all you out there before Ian, I'm sorry, buddy. No. It's gonna help you make it's gonna help you live a better life. It's gonna it's gonna give you some mental toughness or at least how to obtain that mental toughness and intestinal fortitude, which is so much more important than being physically strong. It's yeah. up here. And it's, and it's, you got a Dale Comstock quote on the back of the book, who's also been on here before. Dale. Yeah, Dale. Dale is the man. Um What's Dale say? What is that? I'll read Dale's <laughs> quote right here. Uh, Dale says, my confidence not only lies in the training and skills that Jim taught me, but in the warrior mindset he instilled. It is the mindset that has ultimately allowed me to bring my skills and weapons to bear in battle without pause or hesitation. Jim West's character as a trainer and teacher is the perfect blend of temperature, tolerance, directness, and forceful encouragement. Dale Comstock, and you wrote, you write on here, Dale Comstock, former Delta Force operator. Not very secretive. That's no. his. That's, that's <laughs> actually cut and paste from his letter. He doesn't because I noticed Dale doesn't care. There's certain guys who you know, like I want to get Todd Apolsky on here. He's awesome. I think Todd was former Marine and former Delta, but he always says the unit, you know. And I think uh, the CAG. Yeah, CAG. I think same with when we had what's his name on here. Um, who am I thinking of, man? Uh, Pat McNamara says Pat, the Pat, unit. Pat, no, like guys. 
So Delta, Pat, it's not like it's hidden anymore. So Pat, they were all on that same team. His dad, oh. Dale, Pat. Oh, oh really? really? Wow. Because oh, wow. I used to go in behind the fence and teach him a little punching and kicking. That's ridiculous. We got to get your dad on, man. We'd like to hear it. <laughs> yeah, we'll do it. His dad I, I'm knows. Never, I, Brian, I've never, I think that'd be awesome. But I'm not going to say, I, I'll say D-Boys, I'll say Unit, I'll say Delta. Just tell him, get, you know, I, they, the they know. Is, the irony is he's probably more comfortable with it than I am. But when you're a kid, you internalize that stuff. That's true. Well, yeah, you know deep true. down, they're chomping at the bit to tell someone. No, right. <laughs> You know, when you're still in, though, yeah, no, if they were still yeah. in, yeah, no, I'm, be, no, I'm not going to. Yeah. But as yeah, soon as you're out, for, it's like, well, you know, now yeah. I can shine the shoes a little bit. So I can tell you, Robin, <laughs> Robin McCauley's a real deal. His personality is unmatched. You know, he's an awesome guy. Anything well, else uh, I sh- we should plug out here? Any social media for you, Justin? Or No, I'm pretty. Oh, I have one thing I want to say about Justin, just because. You know, this, this journey is, is just now in its infancy, right? Yeah. There may be some movie stuff and some series that they're working with. And this guy I mentioned, Scott Frank, he's a two-time Emmy Award-winning screenwriter. I spent six hours with him, Bob Wall. They they definitely want to make a movie. So I, I, I brought Justin into the fold because he knows me, the book, this, you know, really well. He writes so well, he's becoming a co-screenwriter with Scott now. Oh, fantastic. For Hollywood. That's awesome. He's nice. Just getting started. So, and, and I didn't mention this. You guys still need to set this up with me. I'm supposed to do the audio book for this. Yes. We got to figure it out. But when this comes out in audio book, it'll be me as Jim. I'm not going to do the Georgia accent, but I will be <laughs> reading this as Jim. I, I, I could take it a step further. Brother, he, he's going to be me in film. <laughs> Oh, is that, is that seriously? Yeah. Is that what's going to happen? Potentially, but Potentially. You know, I got Plan? a bit of work to do. So, so <laughs> you, better get that, you, better, you better get that twine gotta, down because yeah. you ain't have none of it right I got to get the handlebar, too, from back yeah. in the yeah. day. <laughs> so, yeah, no, it's all good. You know, it, uh, I'm, I'm excited uh, to see where it goes, you know, because honestly, the guy in the corner is my driving force for yeah. all of this stuff, you know, because without. And any of you guys have kids, and they will oh, have, yeah, no, and yeah, oh yeah, we'll have kids. They become your energy. You know, it's the reason that you wake up. You know, and so you, you're right, brother. I, I'm so happy I'm home now. It's been a blessing with all this because I'm home. I've been home this much in 20 years, and I can't believe how much I missed with my 15 year old. Which is it's, it's just far less the life I chose, but I'm getting to do it with my four year old now, and it's amazing. No, That's this awesome. is who I get up and nurse your sons, and then I got my little daughter that I protect, of course. She's my princess. <laughs> but no, you're exactly right. My boys is it's it, you you they they make you proud. Like I'm like this is this is what it's all about. But I'm able to enjoy it because I've done things that I needed to do to to, to get those things out of the way. So there is no regrets. So now I can enjoy everything else that comes. All the rest is just gravy. It's just yeah. It's just keep keep rolling. So you're exactly right. I feel you. And your son right there rolling his eyes. That's that's right. That's what my boy would be doing too. <laughs> he wasn't rolling his eyes. He was. He wasn't. He was. He was. <laughs> but that's what a son should do with the dad, and that's what I hope. I know that's what my son does, and I'm proud he does it because I know he. You know, I, before we get off the true story, when he saw the movie, when he was when it came, what he was nine at the time, and I I, I did. I used to chub things all the time. If you left it out my penis was going on it before I gave it back. <laughs> and, and when he saw that and he knew what it was since he was three. So I remember he saw it when he was nine and 
and we're in the movie and we're at the, the premiere and he looked back at me and he just was smiling and laughing and I couldn't have felt so better even though the movie was pretty hard to watch for me yeah it's yeah like, that's my boy he's seeing daddy and he knows what that means and, and like this is this is awesome this is something I, and I still remember his face there at Cowboy Stadium when he turned and looked at me wow. and just giggled as a nine-year-old is, you know what since you say Cowboy Stadium is that where you got the Tonto Cowboy jersey yeah, they gave them to us. Uh, uh, Jerry Jones didn't officially hand them to us, but the Cowboys gave each of us a, a Cowboys jersey uh, with our call signs on the back, which I'm a Cowboys fan, so I, I dug it. I've been loving the Cowboys since Roger Starbuck and Bob Lilly days. Oh, wow, yeah. All right, do we are we is we're, do we have anything else? Are nah, we, is this it? I think we're good. I think we're good. I mean, we had pretty much okay. a full two-hour interview, so why not? Oh. Holy shit, it has been two hours. Yeah. <laughs> we have such a good time, it's hard to cut off. <laughs> it, is, it is. Well, hey, yeah, get did your, get your son out there and get some burritos, dude. He's, he's, he, he done some good time out there. He's thinking about something else right about now. <laughs> uh, he, he, what's he think? Is he thinking about the little little flout, flautas, dude? Yeah. A Puerto I, I Rican one. I think about yeah. that stuff as much anymore, which is okay. That's so fun. All right, man. I'll talk to you later, bro. <laughs> and that wraps up another episode of Battleline Podcast. Great to be back in studio with people. I mean, if you look back, the last time I was in studio with anyone was Luke Ryan. And that was, I'm stalling here because I'm looking. Luke Ryan was back on episode 17, five months ago, bro. Damn. Yeah, I've, I've missed being in studio with people. It's just never the same. And to be honest, a lot of people are cautious about going in. Jim, not so much. And Justin was down to come in. Um, Gotham Studios takes a lot of uh, necessary precautions and all that stuff. So felt completely safe there. If you guys are doing a podcast and you're in the city, that's the spot to go. Uh, with that, wrapping everything up, Fort Scott Munitions is a manufacturer of multi-federal patented solid copper and brass CNC-spun ammunition that is designed to tumble upon impact in soft tissue, leaving devastating wound channels for faster bleed-out and quicker incapacitation. This ammunition was originally developed to innovate and improve on the standard of military-grade ammunition design. It was found that not only did the TUI ammunition outperform competitors in the self-defense industry, but it quickly became apparent that it would be a top contender for hunters alike. With the ammunition being CNC-spun, the tolerances are some of the tightest on the market, ensuring that you receive the same results with each pull of the trigger. Fort Scott Munitions is available throughout privately owned businesses in all 50 states, as well as directly online through fortscottmunitions.com. Use our exclusive promo code BATTLELINE, one word, for 15% off your order, only available to listeners of the BATTLELINE podcast. fortscottmunitions.com, offer code BATTLELINE. Fort Scott Munitions is a proud supporter of Chris Peranto, BATTLELINE Tactical, and the Battle Line podcast. And uh, yeah, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Uh, we have really been slipping in the ratings. We could use your help. So just, you know, it takes two seconds. If you're on the Apple Podcasts app right now, just go to the page, leave a five star review, and uh, just write what you like about the show. It helps us out. And of course, uh, pick up a t shirt from us. Uh, the t shirts are. 
great. People are loving the different colors. And uh, yeah, our guy, Aaron Lauder, did a great job on the design. So that's uh, tonto-apparel.myshopify.com. I say it all the time. We don't have a Patreon. We don't do GoFundMe or any of that. We keep the show completely free, all of the content completely free. So if you want to help us out, it's as simple as that. Pick up a shirt from us. It's uh, tonto-apparel.myshopify.com. These are printed on high-quality shirts. Um, You're going to love them. If you work out, yes, they show off the guns, all that great stuff. Uh, American flag on the sleeve. So, yeah, that's about it. Stick with us. Make sure you're subscribed, and we'll have some new stuff very soon. Every Monday, new episodes, great guests on the horizon. Have a great week, everyone. That's all for this episode of the Battle Line Podcast. But we'll be back on Monday with more American Straight Talk. Until then, be sure to follow us on Instagram at Battle Line Podcast and on Twitter at Battle Line Pod. To sign up for future Battle Line tactical courses, go to www.christantoperanto.net. Believe in yourself. Face all challenges head on. And as always, never quit. Never quit.